Rock and roll bedtime stories exist too. Lay waste to the rumor and innuendo you've heard about your favorite songs and your favorite uh, bands. This is a bonus episode. Brian Murdoch. I haven't watched a lot of TV, I'll be really honest. And then the other night, I stayed up until 2.45 watching a movie. <laughs> nice. And it was and it was called uh, Crip Camp. Oh, it's yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that's it's great. The, it's the thing that Barack and Michelle are the executive producers. So in terms of me, it's just gold, right? But right. It's the, it's the documentary where, like, even, you know, there was a, there were people that went to the camp that shot footage. So the footage was always there. But they realized that, you know, it's these kids that they realized that, you know, their other people just like them were in institutions and they didn't get to communicate or no one tried to even understand them. And so it, it brought about a, a revolution. Like it's a, it's a pivotal, really interesting movie to watch um, because it, that story needs to be told. And I think this is the first real like big taking a swipe at it. And yeah. it's really well done because it's it's basically you get real footage from where the revolution started of the ideas of understanding that we just don't have access. Yeah. And that's not how this works. Yeah, I've heard great things about it, and I know it won a lot of awards, but I have not seen it. It's a, is it on Netflix? Um, it is. I th- I think so. Yeah, it's on yeah. Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right, uh, so a, a few weeks ago on the show, we talked about uh, sampling. We talked about the Beastie Boys, and uh, today I was reminded of this because today it's a beautiful sunny day where I'm at and uh, was in the car running an errand and handed control of the stereo over to my son who put on uh, Shake Your Rump from Paul's Boutique, and yeah. uh, I was thinking more about that episode and uh, what we learned and what also what a jam that is. And then I got to thinking we, we left out a very important part of the sampling conversation we talked about because the, the listener email that we got was about specifically when the crackdown on sampling happened, right? That was the question. Yeah. Crackdown on sampling. So when did it become a legal issue? Um, but there's a, there's a precursor to all of this that actually is really interesting in that it does not, uh, that there was not a crackdown and it, and it adversely affected, uh, the group that was at the center of it. And so I have to ask you, I'm going to play this song from the beginning and I I want to see when and if, if and when you recognize this tune. The sample? The no, no, song? no, the tune, the song. Does it ring at any bells? Nothing? No, no, I got that. Okay, so the whole track is two and a half minutes. But you probably don't know most of it. So in the studio, they basically were jamming because they needed a B-side. And they were like, let's just kind of take this Curtis Mayfield riff and riff on it and, and see what happens. And then they basically couldn't stretch it long enough for the B-side of the record. So they just told the drummer to start doing a drum solo. Like, hey, do a drum break, right? And then at the end of the song, you get this. Straight out of Compton. Fucking name, high school. 
Yeah, that is yeah. Uh, the drum break it's everywhere from Amen Brother by the Winstons. Do you know anything about the Winstons? I just I just know they were on. The Winstons got sampled on the, one of the most revolutionary records ever in the history of music. The Winstons got sampled hundreds and hundreds of times. When we talk about sampling, that is what started it all right there. That drum break that was basically tagged onto a song uh, to, to make it long enough to be the B-side to another song. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's an amazing story. And the Winstons were a, a funk and soul group out of D.C. Now, we did a bonus episode on Rare Essence recently, also from D.C., right? Yeah. Um, and so D.C. music, really interesting. So they're known for their 1969 recording of an EP that featured a song called Color Him Father. And that's on the A-side. And on the B-side is Amen Brother. And and halfway into Amen Brother is that drum solo performed by G.C. Coleman, which would cause that EP to become the most widely sampled record in the history of electronic music. Wow. Sampled That's audio clips awesome. of that drum solo have become known as the Amen Break. Have you ever heard yeah, that term? No. I'm, I'm so loving this, man, because I've never heard this. Now, it has literally been used in thousands of tracks in many musical genres, including drum and bass, hip-hop, jungle, big beat, industrial. And you nailed it, right? You heard that, and you, you specifically went to a specific song that isn't this song, right? So right, yeah. The Color Him Father record sold over a million copies, received a gold record awarded by the Recording Industry of America in 1969, and it won a Grammy for the best rhythm and blues song, but that's Color Him Father. This was just the B-side. So the other song is the hit, and then hip-hop producers find this break on the other side and start using it. Now, that's the cool part. The sad part is when we talk about the quote-unquote crackdown on sampling, right, is that this was just taken and used. Um and and the background is is so interesting on this story because they literally, like I said, like I alluded to, um, the Winces are stuck in the studio and they, they, they keep getting told, you need a B-side to go with Color Him Father. And they decide, okay, we're just going to record an instrumental. And there's an old gospel song called Amen, Brother. And so they start playing it and they start using this riff from Curtis Mayfield um, that he had once played to one of the guys. But they didn't have enough music for the whole track, so they add the drum solo. Quote, the band didn't really want to rehearse the song. We weren't there to do uh, original, quote unquote. We were a bar band. The guys were a little testy. They wanted leisure time, so I was kind of rushing it. Halfway through the track, the other instruments fall silent. G.C. Coleman pounds away. And in about 20 minutes, we had a song that we figured was playable. Now, exactly <laughs> exactly who created the drum break isn't clear. Spencer says he directed it while Phil Talata disagrees. He says it was just they turned to the drummer and the drummer took off and it was, quote unquote, pure G.C., uh, A-side of the record became a huge hit. Obviously, Amen Brother went largely unnoticed at the time. But despite that initial chart success, the Winston struggled to get bookings. They're a mixed race group. Okay, so there's so this is the early 70s, and there's three black guys and three white guys in the band. Yeah. Oh, what a drag. Uh, yeah. And many years later, this drum solo gets picked up. Mid-80s, sampling begins to make its way into the hip-hop scene, and the Amen break gets rediscovered. One of the first things the sampling allowed for was the reuse of older recorded material. 
Um, this is from a, a guy who actually made a documentary about this drum solo, which I no, think, I think no we need way. to make required okay. viewing. Uh, and the, and I, the, I, I want to know, because when you're telling me this, I was like trying to find, I'm like, where else is this drum break? <laughs> and I saw like uh, Rob Bass and DJ, DJ Easy Rock was uh-huh. one. So they slow it down uh, salt, and a, there's a salt, salt and, pepper and pepper song. Yeah. Yeah. They slow yeah. it down for I Desire. Okay. Um, yeah. It's on Words of Wisdom uh, by Third Bass. Um, and of course, straight out of Compton. Um, so in the early 90s, British music producers on the dance music scene looked to the U.S. for inspiration, and old breakbeats were dug out, and the Amen break, break started being used in jungle music, which my best friend in high school got really into jungle, and I remember him giving me a CD, that we, or ha- having a CD in his car that was just labeled like jungle music, <laughs> and it was just all super fast. Uh, for people that don't know what jungle is, it's like super fast uh, electronic music, all, all like sped up drum beats. Um, and then, he, he, I mean, you might not even realize this, Liam and Noel Gallagher used it. In 1997, they used it on Do You Know What I Mean? What? Yeah. So it's it's all over the place. Uh, it, and it has, like I said, became the become the most sampled drum beat of all time. And while it's easy to look at this and just say, like, this was kind of how things evolved, people decided, hey, we could take this little beat and we could use it for other things, and, and no one realized the scope to which it was going to expand. It also left the guy who originally played this without any sort of compensation for it. And Coleman developed a drug addiction and died homeless on the streets of Atlanta in 2006. Yeah. Um, Oh, that's so sad. And, you know, the other, the other folks from the group say they think it's unlikely he was ever aware of the impact that his drum solo had. Um, That's so devastating. Yeah. I'm going to have to have a, I'm going to have to have a, uh, one of those telehealth calls about just this in particular, how sad this is making me. My gosh. <laughs> Stop. Can you imagine? No, can you imagine, like, if if it was Beethoven that had created it? You know, it's that's just the guy who creates this piece of material that is sampled by more than anyone else. More people technically yeah. should have heard that piece of music. Yeah. And, and they're, for some reason, they're deaf or whatever it is, they have no idea of the impact. Well, and so uh, Rich Spencer was the, the lead singer, and he said originally when he heard about all of this happening and, and what ended up happening with this break, he felt like it was plagiarism, and he felt like he was, had been really ripped off. Um, now he seems to have, have cooled out about it a little bit, but there is this really sad element to it, and it's similar to, I don't know if you've ever read that book, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, but... That book by Rebecca Skloot, who was a journalist who basically tracked down when there was all of this research around, I'm going to give you the very broad overview of this, but all of this research around um, cancer with specifically being able to use cells. And um, the, the cells they used to do all this research came from a woman named Henrietta Lacks. And basically massive breakthroughs, and they got them from her in the 50s, but she was never informed. Um, that they came from her. She ended up dying, and her fam- the book follows this journalist talking, finding and informing and working with her family who comes to find out that the legacy of their mother basically changed modern medicine, and they're all living like in poverty, right? So it's the same sort of concept, but in the world of science instead of in the world of music. Um, and of course, you know, there there is a a whole element of that to this, but just in general, it's amazing to think about, you know, a, a six seconds from 1969, 
and how something that that the original creators thought was just a throwaway ends up change literally changing the world of music. So one of the pieces I'm going to put in the show notes is this really interesting piece from 2015 uh, from the BBC and the as what happened in 2015 is that the lead singer from this group there was an internet campaign started to raise money for him uh, because he owns the copyright for Amen Brother. And these British DJs, Martin Webster and Steve Theobald, start this campaign and basically end up raising almost $26,000 for him. Um, And they said it's about giving something back to a 72-year-old man with heart problems who has never really seen a penny other than his royalties from the original release. Um, He's now... Uh, Spencer, Rich Spencer, is is a re- retired from music. Um, actually, he retired from music 40 years before 2015, and he's now a novelist living in North Carolina. Um, and, and like I said, he's chilled out a little bit. He says, it's not the worst thing that can happen to you. I'm a black man in America, and the fact that someone wants to use something I created, I guess that's flattering. <laughs> and he also says he's touched by the fundraising campaign. Quote, they didn't have to do that. I didn't even know them. 50 years on, some young white boys that I've never met halfway across the world said, we're going to give you a gift. And it's probably one of the sweetest things that's happened to me in a long, long time. Oh, that's really nice. Nice little punctuation on a story that is got some not-so-nice parts. But, uh, wow, amen breaks. Now you know what that term means, and you know what the sound of the song is, and uh, I think we should just listen to the entire Amen Brother song. Yeah, man, and thanks for introducing it to me, um, because it's such a real... It's something I had no idea about. It's very, very cool. So now you can... Next time you hear any of those songs that sampled it, you can show off what you know. <laughs> 